Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. So glad to be here with you today. So glad to be a part of your government learning experience. So glad to be a part of who we are as American people, understanding the whole political process. So if you are tuning in right now on my YouTube channel, uh, you will... Uh, I, I want you to notice that the title that's listed here on YouTube is not the correct title for today's show. This is not episode 1182. That was yesterday. Today's episode is 1183, and it's sorting out Trump's SCOTUS picks with cold hard facts. Just because, you know, we are a teach show, and I want you to be able to, uh, n- you know, kind of prepare for what you did um for, for what you're about to learn and have an expectation of what we're going to be doing. Uh, I, I just wanted to, you know, to make that clear for you. Uh, this, this, is, this is not today's title for today's show. And we've been having some technical difficulties with YouTube. And so, uh, <laughs> that's funny, Blue North. Blue North says, rut rose, she's got her hair back, she means business today. <laughs> that's funny. Um, I never really thought about the style of my hair being an expression of my attitude, more or less than I'm just too lazy to fix it today. <laughs> That's funny. Anyway, so uh, just so you guys are prepared, this is this is what we're doing today. I have actually a an interesting uh, YouTube video for you that I thought would be fun to start off with, given today's topic. Remember, today's topic, and I'll I'll read it to you again, is... Sorting out Trump's SCOTUS picks with cold, hard facts. So, uh, I'm a little bit... JC's not here today. He's he's a little under the weather. So, I'm going to have to control my own volume over here. I'll do that by, hopefully, by not getting too excited about what we're doing and <laughs> coming off and drowning you in, in, in my loud volume and, and welly, well-projected voice. Isn't that funny? All right, so here I wanted to, I wanted, this is one of my favorite Homer, Homer Simpson video clips. Uh, my friend Kate Daly of Kate Daly Radio is the one who showed me this. So I wanted to uh, just simply play it for you because I thought you might enjoy it too. Oh man, not another election. Why do we have to choose our leaders? Isn't that what we have the Supreme Court for? <laughs> Isn't that not awesome? I think I might just run that one again just because it's so cool. <laughs> oh, man, not another election. Why do we have to choose our leaders? Isn't that what we have the Supreme Court for? <laughs> uh, oops, sorry. I totally love that. I totally love that. Yeah. Uh, so I'm excited about talking about the Supreme Court today. Looks like, Looks like we might be buffering a little bit. Ooh, look at that. <laughs> Looks like we might be buffering a little bit. Of course, that's going to happen when JC is not here, but maybe now that we are not playing a YouTube video with within our YouTube stream, because, you know, we don't just stream on YouTube. We are on Facebook. We are on Roku. We are on 
Fire Stick, Samsung, uh, Apple TV, and I think that's it. And we're also on the Oath Keepers channel on YouTube as well. We are at chrisannhall.com if everything is going well. And so uh, there are plenty of forums for you to catch us. Plus, you can catch us at a later date uh, in just audio for um, SoundCloud, uh, Apple, uh, iTunes, Google Music Play, Spotify, Anchor FM, and a whole bunch of other ones that I don't uh, really am not able to keep up with. And so we're going to be talking today about the Supreme Court uh, nominees. We have a uh, an interesting thing here. Let me pull this up real quick so I can get this for you. There we go. I have this picture for you that I wanted to put up, and I think I accidentally closed it. Hopefully, this will not um, make us run slow again. Who knows? All right, there we go. So, this being the view of who we're looking at, we talked about on Tuesday, uh, Barrett, Lagoa. Uh, Today, we're talking about, and we talked about EID. Uh, I'm not sure what her, her... how to remember, we don't know how to s- pronounce her last name. But today we're also going to be talking about Rushing, Larson, and Todd with a little brief view of uh, Amy Coney Barrett again because there's some propaganda going around about Amy Coney Barrett that is just slightly disturbing for me. And you know me, I don't like the propaganda, I don't like the hey, it's uh, the Republican view, the Democrat view. We are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over personality. In spite of what, let me see what I've got here. Uh, in, in spite of what this guy on uh, YouTube is accusing me of, it's just interesting, these people that come on and uh, come at me with their their YouTube criticisms. This guy says that because of my quoting, remember I had we had a show on on Tuesday about the real Ruth Bader Ginsburg, about who she is and and what she actually, you know, her own words. So this one dude uh, says to me, Uh, For someone who claims to hold principle of a party and to value truth, you sure do pander to the conservative Republican crowd by interpreting the words of RBG to mean something that they clearly do not mean, but it sells more merchandise and lecture bookings, yes? And so, you know, we got in this whole conversation and I said, so where exactly have I misinterpreted her because what I gave you was an exact transcript of her words? And what's interesting is we get into this conversation um, and he is throwing at me all of these accusations and cannot even uh, come at me with any kind of facts. And what's <laughs> this is one of my favorite. These people who, who do not understand the Constitution and do not understand uh, what the document actually says and do, do not understand how what our founders actually what actually meant. They always talk about 
the fact that women were discriminated against in the Constitution. You know that whole Ruth Bader Ginsburg movie thing where the word woman is not in the Constitution and uh, therefore the Constitutionist argument. And so I actually uh, question him on it. He says the framers purposely did not include provisions for women. And here's what he says. He says, and use the word men specifically. It was not in their time a gender-neutral term. And so I simply pointed out to him the word men is not in the Constitution, so perhaps you need to go back and reread the document. The Constitution uses the term people, which is a gender-neutral term. And I said, so clearly you need to clean out your thoughts uh, free of the agenda-driven education you're calling upon. Uh, and, and I said, free to be used as a model by other governments and is not the same and it's not the same thing as identifying flaws. So what's interesting with these people when you get in these conversations. Now remember my whole perspective here. My whole perspective is that we have to engage in a conversation with these people uh, not just simply in an, in a hopes to bring to them an education but in a hopes to educate others that might be watching. Now, I don't know why we're buffering. On my end, there really is no cause for buffering. So it's got to be on the YouTube sh sign side that uh, we are buffering. So uh, just keep in mind that this buffering thing is something that is happening on the YouTube side and not on my side. Otherwise, I would be jumping all over it and fixing it. So um, just maybe if you refresh and you start over again, that might happen and that might fix it. Uh, but here we go. So I want to talk to you about these people. <laughs> this is hilarious. My I'm watching you guys. Uh, we always watch the chat room, right? And I'm watching the chat room. And then all of a sudden, my YouTube screen goes and flies up in the air. How was I hit my hand on the thing? Uh, which I did not touch anything. So we are definitely, definitely being messed with today by YouTube. And I bet it's because that our, we are going to be talking about the Supreme Court justices today. Christina says she's been kicked out twice already. Ah, booting since the show started. So just remember, while you're here, yeah, see, that's why we have more people that have given us a thumbs up than are watching. While you're here, hit the thumbs up and share. If you get booted, please come back. We are still here. We are still here for at least another 40 minutes. So uh, please, not four times. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great. Uh, by the way, it's not me. Uh, my bandwidth is perfectly adequate, Anthony. It's not me that's streaming on those platforms. It's an outside server. So that gives you even less. Uh, that gives them even less excuse to to say that it's me. It's not me. So uh, remember, keep with us, share, because if you share, then we can invite more people back in. We can undo this algorithm and make sure that you come back to us when we are booted. 
The one thing that I wanted to show you is this propaganda because I talked about Barrett on Tuesday. And I made the statement that Amy Coney Barrett has said that Roe v. Wade is precedent. Okay, let's just be very clear. And I had some people come back and say, well, I read somewhere that Barrett said that Roe v. Wade is not precedent. No, Barrett has never said that Roe v. Wade is not precedent. As a matter of fact, she said that um, depending on how you interpret precedent, uh, in in order in 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 uh, depending on how you uh, interpret the meaning of precedent that she would definitely include Roe on that list. Let me go ahead and show you that. Uh, where are we? There we go. This is Amy Barrett, Amy Coney Barrett, responding to Diane Feinstein during her Senate hearing for appointment to the circuit court. She says the list of super, this is Diane Feinstein repeating to Amy Barrett what she said. And Diane Feinstein says, the list of super president precedents you included in your 2013 article, Super Precedent and Jurisprudential Disagreement, did not include Roe v. Wade. At your nominations hearing, I asked you about this, as did Senator Hirono. You said that you were quoting a list from scholars and that you agree with the list, quote, according to the definition of super precedent employed by those scholars. However, now this is what Dianne Feinstein is quoting Barrett. She says, however, you acknowledged that, quote, if you use a different definition of super precedent, which, by the way, is the more popular definition of super precedent. For example, a precedent that's more than 40 years old and has survived multiple challenges. Then I would include Roe on that list. What's interesting is that the super precedent, that standard that she's talking about, is actually the super precedent definition that is most adopted by the judicial system. Okay? Not only that, Barrett says over and over again that it is her perception of 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 let me pull this one up here this is actually from her questions Amy Coney Barrett to the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals questions for the record questions for Senator Feinstein I wanted to show you something this is really important right here do you believe it may be unlawful for a judge to follow precedent that conflicts with the Constitution's original meaning her answer is no okay her answer is no. So you cannot really call her an originalist if she does not believe that to support precedent over the framer's intent is wrong. As a matter of fact, throughout this response over and over again, she says that precedent is supreme. So we have to understand here where these people stand you're always especially in these question and answer things you're always going to get the answer of precedent being supreme because 
we exist in a judicial supremacist society. That's what we teach in law schools. Okay. She, we teach in law schools that precedent is, is actually more powerful than the Constitution itself. So uh, Amy Coney Barrett is not an originalist in that definition of the world. I, word, I would call her a Scalia textist, textualist because um, I, that's who she is. And she, you know, she, she clerked for Scalia, so, and she supports qualified immunity. The next person I want to talk to you about is Joan Larson. Now, Joan Larson uh, was uh, questioned both by uh, Feinstein and Patrick Leahy on her appointment to the circuit court. And remember, we're not ca- we don't care about politics. We don't care what the Democrats say, and we don't care what the Republicans say. We care what these people said and what the Constitution says. So we are to judge people by their fruits, right? Judge people by their fruits. Man, YouTube is totally hating us today. You guys are just getting booted one right after another. I'm going to have to check in here and see how the Facebook uh, is going. Because um, I, I don't know if I'm seeing anybody. Yeah, it, it's running, running good on Facebook. They're not having any trouble there on Facebook, so maybe, I don't know, maybe you need to go to Facebook. But if YouTube keeps booting you, then go uh, go uh, to Facebook. Or, as Madinoff says, we are running live on chrisannhall.com. chrisannhall.com, click on the um, click on the live feed, and then you will see us there as well. But remember... You could just have to ref- refresh the YouTube page. You could just have to come back on. But uh, the stream is not stopping. They're just, they're just buffering us. And it looks like, now that I mentioned Facebook, it started buffering too. So Joan Larson um, is, a, is very conservative, as it were. She is, um, how do I put this? In her graduate and postgraduate writings, she is very federalist in nature. And I do admire the fact that in her questions to Leahy and Feinstein, she actually quotes the Federalist Papers. So Leahy asks her this question. In one of your papers, you said that, the con- that Congress is the most dangerous and powerful branch of government. Do you believe that? Well, of course she believes that. That's why she wrote it, right? And she answers by quoting Federalist 78 and Alexander Hamilton and saying, look, this is a remark about the delegated powers in Article 1, Section 8. You have to admit that Article 1, Section 8 delegates a whole lot more power to the legislative branch than any of the other two branches. And she quotes Alexander Hamilton in saying that in Federalist 78, Alexander Hamilton explains that the judiciary is designed. Notice I said designed. She didn't say designed. 
Hamilton said that the judiciary is designed to be the least dangerous of branches. Uh, Another question that she answered for Leahy, this is Joan Larson, that I really liked, was she said, uh, she was asked, what are the constitutional constraints on the president of the United States to disregard when a president disregards properly enacted statutes right so the question is what are the checks and balances on the president of the united states if the president of the united states disregards properly enacted statutes thank you drywall for your super chat the first super chat today comes from drywall you know it is it is such a blessing to my heart when you guys give us the super chat supports on YouTube because it's like a in the face to YouTube saying you can do what you want. You can try to censor us. You can try to stop us. But the people who want to hear what we have appreciate what we have and they're going to stick around no matter what you do to us. So thank you, Drywall, for that bit of of help there. Okay. All right, so um, what constitutional constraints are on the president of the United States when the president chooses to disregard properly enacted statutes? Larson says, the president of the United States does not have a general dispensing power. The president of the United States is charged with uh, enforcing laws to faithfully execute laws that comply with the Constitution Uh, And with federal laws that are consistent with the Constitution. So this is really, really a great response by Larson. So let me just put it out there. Uh, Larson is a pick for me above Amy Coney Barrett, right? So if we were going to rank Larson, she would be above Amy Coney Barrett at this point. Because I can't, I, I just can't get on board with Amy Coney Barrett knowing her loyalty to precedents and the fact that she supports qualified immunity. Also, let me show you up here. Uh, There's an article in... There's an article in um, the Big League Politics. Judge Amy Coney Barrett recently approved Democrat COVID-19 lockdown policies. So, Amy Coney Barrett... Um, concurred with the majority in Illinois Republican Party at all v. J.B. Pritzker, governor of Illinois, to keep the illegal lockdown in place and allow the government to override not just simply the Constitution of the United States, but the Constitution of the state of Illinois. I mean, we've had this class where we teach how these lockdown orders from the governors violate at least six principles of any given of any given state constitution, because most of the constitutions are written in the same way. Right. So what we have is Amy Coney Barrett supporting these unconstitutional lockdowns. Now, when you understand Amy Coney Barrett's slavish submission to precedent, then you won't be surprised by this. Because you see, Amy Coney Barrett is a slave to precedent, and she says, I had no choice 
but to uh, uphold the shutdowns because the precedent of Jacobson, you know, the, the vaccination case from 1905, establishes this power. Now, the Pennsylvania District Court disagrees with Miss Barrett in that Jacobson, number one, does not say that. And number two, Jacobson is not controlling in this. So according to Amy Coney Barrett, who says that precedent over 40 years old that has survived multiple challenges is super precedent, believes that Jacobson is not simply precedent, but a carte blanche authority for a governor to issue any law whatsoever that they feel is necessary during a quote-unquote emergency. That is very, 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 very disturbing to me, especially in light of the fact that we have a federal district court in Pennsylvania that got it right. One of the most beautiful opinions that I have seen written in a very, very long time. Uh, Thank you, salty refried beans. (laughs) That's hilarious. Salty Refried Beans on YouTube says, I wish I had a teacher like you in school. You are the best. Thank you very much for that vote of confidence. You will not get along with my with my um, discussion person on YouTube for yesterday's show. Just to let you know. So in Larson's comments, answers to questions from Diane Feinstein. Remember, let me show you this, okay? You can get these questions online. See, all you have to do is put into your search engine the name of the Supreme Court nominee and uh, Senate Judiciary Committee. And you will get a PDF in your list of, you know, things that come up. You will get a PDF. That, sh- that gives you the questions that were asked, it, when, if ever, is it appropriate for, now this is rushing, uh, for lower courts to depart from Supreme Court precedent. It is never appropriate for a lower court to, depre- to depart from Supreme Court precedent. We'll talk about that, okay? But I just wanted you to see that it's not impossible to get the answers and to get the viewpoints of these people. So in the questions to Larson from Feinstein, Feinstein, because Larson is a known, self-proclaimed, original intent person. She is very strongly in her previous writings, original intent. And so Feinstein asks her, should all judges employ original in, originalist meaning? And here's how she answers this question. She says, judges should first apply precedent, then apply original meaning, then, uh, then look to whatever method the court says to be followed. Right? So not necessarily in that order either. So precedent, originalist meaning, or whatever method the court says that you must follow. Once again, establishing that we are an oligarchy under the court. Yes. Ample Force says, did you cover Lagoa yesterday? I love her parents' love of liberty. There was actually 
Tuesday, ample fourth, that I covered Lagoa. Uh, and uh, I was going to talk about her a little bit today if we had some time because uh, she, she falls in, I think, in the top four. So we'll go it through and summarize. Nate Bama, hey. Hey, Nate Bama, are you missing JC today? <laughs> Nate Bama says someone should set the precedent not to be a complete tyrannical a-hole and fight for liberty. Right? Yes. Uh, Baltimore to Holland says Lagoa will be the next Supreme Court justice. Now, I, I'm, I really have to disagree with you on that one. Uh, and I'll tell you why when we finish going through Larson and rushing and Tim B says, how do I get Trump to pick you for that seat? Man, I don't know. Planets alignment, a miracle burning bush, not consumed by fire message from God might be what's necessary for Trump to nominate me. And once he nominated me, I don't think that there is a, there may be two senators in that entire Senate that would agree to vote me in because I would not be answering these questions like this, right? Because I would simply come out and, and say, uh, excuse me, Miss Feinstein, you're asking me about precedent and whether we should follow precedent. Are you talking about the precedent of the Supreme Court that says uh, black men are property? Or perhaps you're talking about the precedent of Korematsu v. U.S. where the Supreme Court said that it was constitutional for the president of the United States to issue an executive order to hold men, women and children in internment camps without due process. Would those precedents be involved in your list of questions there? Because I, I need to know what exactly you determined to be precedent before I actually answer that question. And just those statements right there. Boom. Chris Ann Hall is gone. Chris Ann Hall is gone. So uh, Larson believes that the courts are ruling oligarchies. Uh, she said, I would, as her application to the Sixth Circuit, I would apply precedent over correct constitutional understanding. I, I think that's a problem. That if you believe the Constitution says something different than precedent... That's 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 a big problem. Uh, she also said precedent binds me. My duty and commitment to follow Supreme Court precedent does not depend on whether a precedent comports with any particular theory of constitutional interpretation. So that's that's where we are with Larson. She is another one that is completely enslaved to precedent. And you can say, and, and, and it would be legitimate to say, okay, it would be legitimate to say, well, they believe in the lower courts that the Supreme Court cannot, or that lower courts cannot overturn Supreme Court, that the lower federal courts are absolutely in slavish submission to the Supreme Court. At that point, I just wonder why we even have lower courts. If the lower courts can do nothing but apply Supreme Court opinions whether they be consistent with the constitution or not then then why don't we just have people who sit and read the supreme court opinions and say okay um here's your case this is a supreme court opinion boom gone you're done why do we even need a, a lower court for that 
You could have some clerk read the Supreme Court opinion and apply it like law. Right? That's just crazy, 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 crazy. Uh, remember, guys, we're not trying to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg. We're trying to fill the vacancy that she created. I understand that may sound like semantics, but replacing Ruth Bader Ginsburg would, in you know, in those terms, would mean to give us another judge like Ruth Bader Ginsburg. We want to fill the vacancy, and we want to fill a vacancy with someone who is not conservative, someone who is not liberal, but someone who is constitutional. And that's why we're going over these, their own words. So let's just be really clear again. I, I don't want to beat this to death, but I really want us to understand that law schools teach slavish submission to Supreme Court precedent. Every nominee that I have discussed, whether it be Tuesday or today so far, believes that the Supreme Court, even the Supreme Court, can only overturn itself in extremely rare circumstances. So I, I, I just, I have a really hard time with the way we, we do this. The next, the last person we're going to talk about today, originally, you know, we've talked about everybody so far, but the last new person we're going to talk about today is Allison Jones Rushing. Now, let me tell you, I like, I know she's the youngest. I actually like her more than I like any of the others because of the way she responded to Feinstein when she was giving her questions. So remember, we teach and these justices believe that in the lower courts, they have no authority to overturn the Supreme Court and everyone thus far Allison Jones rushing not included so far everyone thus far has said that even on the Supreme Court they have to slavishly submit to other Supreme Court precedents when uh, unless it's a very rare and exceptional circumstance okay Allison Jones rushing said this when Feinstein asked her, will you, uh, will you follow precedent? And she responded like this. From the perspective, uh, well, let me put it this way. She, Feinstein asked her, is Roe v. Wade, because you know that's the big question. Is Roe v. Wade settled law? And Joan, uh, Allison Jones Rushing answered that question this way. From the perspective of the lower court, it is settled law. She said that multiple times in response to Feinstein's questions about precedent, about settled law. She said, from the perspective of lower court, it is settled law, it is precedent. We cannot uh, set it aside from a lower court perspective. This is absolutely brilliant. This is the way, if you're not going to just step up and say, you know, I'm not going to follow precedent if it's contrary to the Constitution, if it's contrary to the rights of the people, if it's contrary to the original intent, okay? If you're not going to have the, 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 the fortitude to actually come out and say that, 
then this is the way you need to say it. Because what Alison Jones Rushing is actually saying is, when I get to the Supreme Court, Katie, bar the door. When I get to the Supreme Court, that's where we determine what is settled law and not settled law. When we get to the Supreme Court, that's where I determine whether it's precedent or not. So Allison Jones rushing is the only one who is stepping up to say, Supreme Court's precedent, I will hold it to be settled law, but only when I'm in the lower court. This is very, very important because every single one of the other ones have said that that it is settled law, period. It is precedent, period. And a handful of them have come out and actually said that, guess what? Only the Supreme Court can overturn itself and the Supreme Court can only overturn itself when uh, under very rare and exceptional circumstances. So just beware. Two Classy Gentlemen podcast. Woohoo! You guys, thank you so much for listening. If you guys don't follow the Two Classy Gentlemen podcast on YouTube or Instagram, you need to do that. These are young people fighting for liberty, and they are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over personality. And Two Classy Gentlemen said, Chris Ann is the best constitutionalist I know. Keep up the great work. Thank you, guys. Nate Bama says, the system has gotten so corrupt, I don't see how we can fix it without tearing it down. And starting over with the original Constitution and its principle. Uh, yeah, I don't think we need to. It's very interesting, this idea that we need to tear it down. Um, what we need to do is get in and tear apart the bad stuff. So we can put, build the foundation, rebuild the foundation of the good stuff. And unfortunately, every other nominee, with the exception of Allison Jones rushing, uh, is simply telling us, I'm going to give you more of the status quo. Amy Coney Barrett said specifically that Roe v. Wade is settled law. So I really don't know where all this information is coming in the mainstream media or the conservative pundits and talking heads who are saying, no, she didn't say that. When she was questioned by the Senate Judiciary Committee, she said Roe v. Wade is settled law. She said that it was precedent. She even admitted under certain circumstances it could be considered as super precedent. If you don't know what super precedent is, please go back and listen to uh, Tuesday's show. So why won't we get Alice and Rush Jones rushing? I don't know. Some people say it's because she's too young. But if I were president of the United States and I knew that the biggest, loudest voice came from the millennial generation, how powerful would it be to appoint a millennial female I think she's probably a little bit older than a millennial female, but 
the millennial generation could identify with her. And she's female. And I'm not quite sure what else they could complain about other than the fact that, you know, she has said she's not going to be slavishly submitting to precedent. She's going to hold people according to the standard of the Constitution. I, I find that very encouraging. But I think, to be honest with you, and I don't know if this is going to be taken well, I think that that mainstream conservatism loves Barrett because they love the drama. Is is rushing older? I don't know. Somebody told me maybe I'm getting her conflict. Uh, I'm getting her um, confused with somebody else. Let's do this little quick thing. Allison Jones rushing age. Let's see what we get. Yeah, Allison Jones Rushing is 38 years old. So uh, she is younger than Barrett. And uh, I just, I don't really care about age. For me, it's about principle. Now, why wouldn't they want to do that? Because we believe that justices have lifetime appointments. And once you put her on the bench at 38 years old, how long, you know, barring they, you know, the fact that they might find her in a cabin scalied, she's probably got 50 years if she lives as long as RGB, 50 years on the Supreme Court. I don't know if they want that kind of constitutionalism on the bench for 50 years. So I just think that. It's not because she's too young. It's because they don't want somebody sitting on the bench for 50 years. And I, if they've got the right principles, then why not? And remember, lifetime is not the tenure of a Supreme Court judge. The tenure of a Supreme Court judge is good behavior. So a judge exhibiting bad behavior is a judge that needs to be impeached. What is bad behavior? Well, at libertyfirstuniversity.com, I have a whole class on the judiciary. I have a whole class on understanding what our fa- what the f- framers of the Constitution classified as bad behavior. And on that list of bad behavior is a judge that's an activist judge. A judge that applies their personal feelings above the Constitution. I had somebody tell me that um, they liked, you know, they didn't really always agree with Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but they liked how she, quote-unquote, helped women as a judge. Well, it is not the job of the federal government to help women. It is not the judge job of a Supreme Court justice to help women judicially. Now, if she wants to go out on her own time and be an advocate for women's rights or whatever and go around and lecture 
to young people, young women about the power of women and women in history and that sort of thing, then that's up to her. But if she is out on her own time advocating and quote unquote lobbying, not officially, but, you know, in the political forum for women's rights, then she has a responsibility to recuse herself when those women's rights become a question before the Supreme Court. So if you're an advocate for women's rights and everybody knows you're an advocate for women's rights, when the determination of women's rights comes before the Supreme Court, you have an ethical obligation to recuse yourself and not sit in judgment of that because you have a personal interest in the outcome of that case. Just because you're a woman doesn't mean you have a personal income, but if you are politically active in that whatever that arena is, it is a conflict of interest and you must recuse yourself or you're engaging in bad behavior, which is grounds for impeachment. So a Supreme Court justice could serve a lifetime appointment, but if they engage in activist judging, then guess what? They, they are not entitled to be there on life. They are to be removed based on their bad behavior. Now, somebody had asked in the YouTube chat room about uh, Lagoa. And let me just mention to you then we have our our final list now complete. And I'll just repeat why I believe that Lagoa will not be chosen is because Lagoa has a very serious potential ethics violation uh, that she's going to be subject to. So Lagoa sat on the 11th, uh, sat on the Supreme Court of Florida in judgment of a question of legislation by the Florida legislators. So she was the judge who sat in judgment of a law written by the Florida legislature. And then she was transferred. She was chosen to become an 11th Circuit Federal Appeals Judge that same case that she sat in judgment over on the Florida Supreme Court was then heard by the 11th Circuit. Now, what's the job of the 11th Circuit? The job of the 11th Circuit is to determine whether the Florida Supreme Court made the proper decision. And when she was sitting on the 11th Circuit, she was actually sitting in judgment of her own judgment on the Florida Supreme Court. She failed to recuse herself from the 11th Circuit case that was sitting in judgment of her own judgment. So this is huge ethics violation, huge conflict of interest, and she did not recuse herself. So this is a really bad no-no for Lagoa. And I don't think that in that given sense that, that the Republicans could choose her with that pending ethics violation. We know it's a pending ethics violation because in on July 21st, 2020, uh, I think it was eight or nine senators actually sent Lagoa a letter asking her, why didn't you recuse yourself? This is and they and then they quoted the code that she violated. And what's interesting was when she was sitting, when she was nominated to be on the 11th circuit the senate judiciary i think it was even feinstein asked her if sitting on the 11th circuit 
a Florida Supreme Court case came before you that you were involved in, would you recuse yourself? And she said, right then and there, absolutely without question, I would recuse myself if while on the 11th Circuit, a Supreme Court case came before me that I was involved in. Well, here we have a Supreme Court case that came before the 11th Circuit that she was involved in. She did not recuse herself. So um, that's that's Lagoya's problem. And I'd, I think really seriously, honestly, I liked her. I probably because of the, you know, age issue with rushing, if Lagoa hadn't committed that enormous ethics violation, I would have chosen her over rushing. Now, don't take my pick as to be any litmus on who Donald Trump will pick or any litmus on who the Senate will pick, right? I am comparing people's statements to the Constitution itself, to the standard of the Constitution. That has not been the litmus of our Senate Judiciary Committee. This has not been the litmus of our senators. And this has not been the litmus of presidents choosing nominees. Especially, can I just say, especially in a, an election year. This is the end of August. We are nearly in October. So that means we are quickly approaching a 30-day deadline to the election. This being, and I will say this, I don't usually say this, this being the most important thing in this presidential election, this Supreme Court appointment. Donald Trump will choose a Supreme Court justice that best helps his political reelection. He will do that. He can, there's no other way he can do this. Uh, I, uh, so I, I don't know. And, and again, Donald Trump is not a constitutionalist. He has some constitutionalists within his administration. He has a really strong arm of people in his administration that understand the separation of powers between state and federal government. But as to the limitation of federal power, uh, Donald Trump does not have a good understanding of that as far as the Constitution is concerned. Provision. Uh, they actually did. I mean, that's why the Senate appoints a justice. The Senate is the representative of the states. And so if a senator is not going to represent the state properly, according to how the Constitution was originally designed, the state had the authority to recall any senator and immediately replace them with someone else. It's the adoption of the 17th Amendment that took away the state's power and authority in selection of Supreme Court justices, not the Constitution. The Constitution established state authority, which is why the Senate does this. The other thing that you we should understand is that the states are not bound by Supreme Court opinions that do that are inconsistent with the Constitution. We are not bound by them. And that's one of the checks and balances that we have and one of the most powerful checks and balances that we've forgotten. So if that seems sort of 
strange or foreign to you that the states should be able to say no to even the Supreme Court of the United States, then please, please, please check out my class at libertyfirstuniversity.com uh, on the judiciary and my class on states' sovereignty uh, at libertyfirstuniversity.com. Those two classes together will help you understand not only the authority of the state, but the duty of the state to be a check and balance. And, you know, Jefferson was very clear about the limits of the judiciary. Madison was extremely clear about the limits of the judiciary. And even Alexander Hamilton, the big government guy, uh, was clear about the limits of the power of the judiciary. So I hope that you guys have enjoyed today's show. Again, uh, my pick from the information that we have from a constitutional standard would be Allison Jones rushing from the list that we have. Let's just be very clear. From the list that we have. Um, I liked EID, but she also has supported the... Um, has supported... Uh, Qualified immunity, I can't really get on board with that. And Amy Coney Barrett, the conservative favorite, which I think is simply because of the drama and the political drama that she brings, I would not support her because, number one, she supports qualified immunity. Number two, she's a slave to precedent. Number three, when given the opportunity to declare the rights of the people to these unconstitutional government shutdowns, she did not. And don't tell me she didn't have a choice because the Pennsylvania federal court did the right thing and the Amy Coney Barrett court did the wrong thing. So thank you so much, guys, for joining me today. Uh, we will be back with you tomorrow, which is Friday. So God bless. And uh, how about this? Stay constitutional.